0: everyone welcome to living in the question podcast i'm elena and i'm sadie and we have tim today again
1: Hey, tim is one of our
0: favorite guests here he is (laughs) what it's the second or third time we've had you it's the third time we've had tim on yep third time third time's a charm (laughs) they were all charms but this one's this one's gonna be good i can tell
2: yeah yep so we're excited to have tim today and we kind of just want to start off with um a check-in Yes. yeah an awareness check-in just to kind of talk about where we're at and yeah what we're aware of through the last couple weeks so do you want me to start, or go, you want to start? go for it these okay. up okay so this is just something that I wrote down the other day <clears throat> um I've been working really hard lately and being very intentional about like speaking my truth like mm. like saying things from the heart And regardless if they're going to hurt someone's feelings or regardless how it's going to affect the other person, like if it's my truth, I'm going to say it. And I've never been that way. So that's been a huge thing for me because my whole life I've been such a big people pleaser and like constantly thinking about how what I say is going to affect another person. And I just feel like lately I've just been asking for exactly what I need regardless of the outcome. And it feels so good. Like, even if I'm worried about it hurting somebody's feelings or, you know, being too blunt or something, it just, I notice the way it feels in my body when I say what I need. And it feels Mm -hmm. so freaking good. Mm, It's like, yes, I feel so seated, like in my own space, you know? So that's something I've been super, super aware of. And yeah, it feels good.
3: That reminds me of, uh, can I comment on that? Because uh, it just, it reminded me of uh, when I was going through the four-year training program at the Society of Souls, there was one point where I was sitting, we were doing it in a hotel in New Jersey in like a conference room there. And before class started, I was sitting in the lobby and I had a bag next to me. And one of the bellmen came up to me and asked uh, if that was my bag. And my first uh, instinct was to make up some kind of story about the bag that like it wasn't mine or whatever it was. Like, I, in short, I wasn't going to tell the truth. Uh. And as I started to, to make up some silly lie for some reason, uh, I realized, wait, why don't I just tell this guy the truth? And I did, I said, yeah, that's my bag. And he said, oh, okay, can you just move it here? I said, sure, no problem. And it was an easy interaction. But for me, it was a revelation because I noticed that throughout my entire life, I had been scared to tell the truth, even with really mundane things. It's just like that, there was something that was happening in my nervous system that said, "No, no, 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 you can't be seen. You know, you can't tell the truth because the truth is dangerous." Wow. So it's like these, it's like these little things as we're on this healing and awakening journey that show up. And so for me. it it was huge. It just, it started to ripple into the rest of my life. And I started to start to wonder, Oh my God, how freeing is this just to be able to tell the truth? So I totally resonate with what you're saying.
2: That's exactly what it is. And like, I think I'm just so aware too of like the moment when it happens, like the moment of like, okay, what am I going to say? And like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I literally feel myself check in with my own intuition, decide what my higher self needs and just speaking that thing. And it's like, it doesn't have to be scary, you know? Yeah. It doesn't have to be this huge thing. It's just, no, this is just what I need. And honestly, it usually just works out in the most perfect way, you know?
3: And and don't forget, you know, now you've sort of leveled up here, right? Yeah. And so now there is going to be a new set of problems mm-hmm. that arise. There always is, you know? Yep. So the awakening process, we wake up to something, we get confused, we feel the freedom, we feel all the new things about it. And so now what you get to train with is sort of how to communicate the truth with skillful means, Right. you know? So it's like, now that I know that I don't have to be in this strategic place all the time, I don't need to be on guard and lying (laughs) or like sort of misdirecting life so that I don't get harmed. It's like, now how, how can I say this with kindness Right. and what's the right timing? You know, I can't tell you how often I'll sit with somebody and I can see that they're not, they're not awake to something in their life. Mm -hmm. But I also realized that if I told them the truth, they just weren't ready for it yet. So part Mm -hmm. of my telling the truth is sort of more like a not doing thing. I actually just hold space for them. And I do my best to receive and reflect what's there so that they can see themselves. And maybe down the line, I might say, Hey, you know what, you know, I really think that this is what's going on. And this is what might help you. What do you think about that? You know, it's just sort of because otherwise, you know, when people start to tell the truth all, all the time, it can create a lot of problems, Yeah, you know, and a lot of people can't handle it.
2: It does. So, it's like resistance for other people. It's like the people around you aren't used to this version of you showing up. So it's like when you do show up as this new version of you, it does like, it's like a ripple effect, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, when there's yeah. people who have benefited from you, you know, mm-hmm. living that way and not speaking your truth. And they're frustrated <laughs> when you start... Putting your foot down, it's like, no,
2: exactly. But yeah, I've just been in that place of regardless of how it affects someone, it's like, no, this is where I'm at, and it's okay, you know. And look at what you've
0: gotten out of it so far, yeah. It's been like a few weeks, and you've gotten things out of it, yeah, you know,
2: yeah, it's been beautiful. So crazy, yeah. Do you want to do yours?
0: Sure, yeah, I'll do mine. Um, mine is, I okay so obviously getting divorced is freaking hard it sucks it's awful um but I think that for the rest of my life I'll be sad about it you know what I mean I don't think that anybody ever gets over like the feeling of I don't know maybe some people do but getting divorced kind of feels like a failure in a way Mm -hmm. and obviously like nobody wants that You know, like I would love to be with my kid's dad if we could have connected on the level that I needed. But I've noticed lately, now that I've been separated from him and where our divorce is final and everything, I've been separated from him for like eight plus months now. It's getting easier. But I've been noticing that when certain thoughts come up of like, just feeling sad about it instead of it completely overwhelming me mm-hmm. I've decided to just like if it comes up and it can be in the most random times the middle of the day at work my, the middle of my drive in the middle of a conversation with someone in the middle of the night like yeah random things will just pop in my head and I've decided to just like fully sit in it and like if tears come I'm crying in the bathroom at work yeah I'm crying on the way to work
2: Ooh, you gave me the chills yeah
0: I'm crying in my bed like and I just cry and then after I cry and sometimes it's only for, like, one, two minutes. And then it's, like, my mind's, like, oh, on to the next thing. Yeah. And then I'll be five minutes after and I'm, like, what the hell? Like, I just, what just happened? <laughs> like, I just cried over that and now I'm not even thinking about that. Yeah.
2: You're, like, so, being so present as yeah, comes
0: up. Yeah. That's my awareness mm-hmm. check-in is I've been fully in the present moment as much as I can consciously. And it is changing my life drastically. mm
3: like, That's well, wonderful well. to hear, you know, because you're not letting these emotions or the discomforts hook you in the same yes. way, or or freeze you in place. And so often, we deny these things because it's just too hard, you it's know. Or we don't have, yeah, we don't. Yeah, let's make it simple. We don't want to feel it. No. So we distract ourselves. We got a million different strategies, but to have that kind of presence, to let your system be with what's there, allows you to metabolize it. And it's also a form of alchemy. Mm. You end up returning. You know, this is getting into like mystical, Kabbalistic stuff, but you're returning these uh, difficult, imperfect mm. feelings, sensations, emotions back to their source. And uh, it's a wonderful thing.
2: Yeah. So I just learned
0: about that for you. school last weekend. Oh yeah? yeah. Yeah, that exact thing. I know. Returning, I yeah. It's a tangent, but I kind of I kind of want to get. Can you just elaborate just a tiny bit more on it?
3: Yeah, which part?
0: The returning to its natural source. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So um, in the Kabbalah, they call sort of obstacles. You know, we have a meditation, which I think Sadie just learned, where essentially it starts off with you basking in the light, which basically means we're, we're, we're acknowledging the fact that there is some force that some people call God that is always nourishing us, no matter what, and sustaining our being. So the first part of the meditation is just acknowledging the fact that this is true. You know, I am here, all of this is here, this is amazing. And then there's like an uncomfortable feeling or an uncomfortable sensation or something happens and it takes you away from the basking. And so just think about how you go through your life, right? Everything's okay and then all of a sudden, I'm remembering I'm in the middle of a divorce and this is horrible, right? Normally what people do in that moment, when something uncomfortable shows up, is they go into memory. What I mean by that is they go into all of their learned ways as to how to avoid or not deal with these emotions, because they don't know how to deal with them. So a million strategies pop up, turn on the radio, go to the kitchen to get a bite to eat. You know, there's some healthier ones like exercise, but some people will work themselves to the ground to avoid suffering. So anything can be good, anything can be bad, it needs to be in relationship to what's going on. So if you can be present to what's here and let yourself actually metabolize it, it returns these clipo, and the clipo again are these obstacles, it returns them back to the wholeness which where they came from. Uh, it's, um, it has to do with the creation story in the Kabbalah where uh, at times there's just too much light, there's too much information for us to take in, like a death, a sudden death, and we shatter. And then there are these fragments of life that are kind of floating around that need to be reintegrated into a larger, more coherent system that can stabilize and that can have a more conscious relationship with these pieces. Mm-hmm. So you are going through a shattering. And every time you give yourself the opportunity to be present to some of these discomforts, you're, you're integrating them into your wholeness, into the already present wholeness, into what you already are
2: so Mm. does that make sense yeah I love I absolutely love that and you can feel it too like when that moment like you were saying it's changed your life drastically it's like you can feel your whole system like let it go like after you actually allow yourself to process it it's like oh I'm not holding on to it now and oh my gosh now I'm okay
0: or sending it it. sending it back like it's just getting easier each time it's like now when it, it now when it like happens I'm like Okay, like a minute, but it's only gonna last for a minute because you know you can be with it. Because yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's like yeah, so boring.
3: and life, life. So for you, life is becoming more trustworthy. You can right. trust that's that you that you you can bear this. I will survive this. And right. in fact, there's a place for all of this because for you to feel the uncomfortable emotions, that's the only way for you to leave room for the joy and right. the good stuff. So non-duality, they could—that's
1: could, could,
3: right? right. You know, we're going to talk about non-duality today, and that—that's it. Life is always showing up in mm-hmm. opposites. So, like the entire—the nature of reality is structured in such that us living here in this dual, dualistic universe, life is always showing us one side of an opposite, even though opposites are always together. So, if grief shows up for you, if you're able to be with the grief, joy is also present. And so you start to live into a life where you have a larger bandwidth to tolerate these opposites that need each other, these opposites that actually love each other. They can't be apart from each other. But what we do as human beings is we separate them and we create suffering for ourselves as a result. And we do this because we're ignorant. We do this because we know no other way. And that's why, uh, I think we were all excited to talk about non-duality today because it's a really, I think in all of our lives, it's been a revelation. It's like, wow, you can actually live this way. And this is the way life is set up to work. And I can actually trust that as I work with this uncomfortable thing, it actually will return to its source. And then the next piece will show up. And that next piece is the most valuable thing for me because that's the way it works. So all I have to do is be present. I say all you have to do is be present. It's so hard
0: to be present.
3: (laughs) But so
0: simple, is simply said, simple terms, but it's yeah. co- so complex. So we complex. have so much we want to
2: talk about with non-duality too. But before we do, do you have an awareness check-in for today? Yeah.
3: You know, I have two things that actually came to mind for me as I was thinking about this. The first is, you know, there are so many different meditations that I've been doing over the years, and the majority of them have been given to me from the school that Sadie and I go to. And so the way I've learned to communicate what these meditations do, and it's this isn't going to be the whole picture, but for those of you that don't know, essentially it's like we're we're awakening to and embodying and coming into a relationship with different aspects of the underlying structure of reality. Mm -hmm. So it's like if we can if we can be awake to the actual creation creation process how reality unfolds out of itself and how it mixes and mingles with life in different ways. If we can understand that it, there's, there are particular places in this journey where we can hang out that will trigger an awakening, uh, it, it, will, it filters into the rest of our lives in a beautiful way. So I've been doing these meditations for a long time. But just the other day, I started to realize, I said, you know what? I'd really like to get back to Vipassana meditation. Like today, I just want to sit down and I just want to follow my breath. That's Mm -hmm. all I want to do. I just want to be. And I just want to follow the the breath coming in my nose, down into my belly, and letting it come out. And within just a few minutes of doing that, I realized that I have this habit of going into these really negative thought patterns, Mm -hmm. where I'll have like an argument with my fiance, and I start to go down this thought pattern where it's like suddenly i'm thinking oh 10 years in the future when we get a divorce and i'm like wait a second we we just had like a little argument and it's like it's not that big a deal right so just just by doing just by planting that seed and doing a few minutes of vipassana meditation i've I've done it over the years so it, it was sort of like you know restretching that muscle again and it triggered an awakening in me and i started to take control of my life again and i started to change my reality by not entertaining these negative thought patterns, because it's all bullshit. It's right. just me just overthinking and moving it back to a positive thought pattern, one that can actually inform me in a better way. Mm. So these last few days have been wonderful, where I've been sort of meditating throughout the day, just catching when I do these negative things and coming back to a thought pattern that's much more helpful. Mm. And uh, so that that's the first thing.
2: Yeah. Then- can I say one thing real quick?
3: Oh, of course. You're talking
2: about too, like going down that rabbit hole, just like the negative things, like that is you creating your own suffering. And each one of us humans do that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us just aren't aware of it, you know, and then you get in a place where you're so depressed when in reality, if you could just like sit and be with your thoughts for a second, you probably could pull yourself out of that depression pretty quickly, but it's like that awareness around it. Right. So that's beautiful.
3: Yeah. And also... You know, sometimes the depression doesn't change, but simultaneously, the paradox is because you're giving it a a wakeful place in your life, meaning you're no longer uh, trying to run away from it in a certain way. The quality of the depression can start to change Mm -hmm. because non-duality, it's all about it's like we all have this right to live a happy life but everybody has an idea of what happiness is that can be really damaging to their life and can create a lot of suffering. Because if your idea of happiness is uh, I need to have a million dollars in order to be free and only do things that I like and avoid the things that I don't like, well then what I've done is I've actually set up a tyrant in my life where all of the things that I don't like to do are actually dictating what I'm doing because I'm avoiding it. Mm -hmm. So the process of living a non-dual life is a process of expanding our bandwidth so that we can ask, what does happiness look like when I'm feeling depressed? What does happiness look like when I'm grieving a relationship? You know, mm-hmm. these kinds of questions. And then like your podcast name, you live in the question. You live in that question and you let it inform you and you let it change who you are and transform who you are. So that's all I have to say about that.
0: Right. right. Do you, Do you find yourself like – I know at least for me, I get caught up in resisting even wanting to pull myself out of it. Like just getting so caught in the negative and just being like, nope, I'm not. Nope, nope, nope. Yep. You know, like did, have you caught yourself resisting at all?
3: Always. Uh, resistance is built into the process, it's built right. into life. So the. Why? I, I, <laughs> well, it's actually, think about it, it's actually perfect. It's actually perfect because. Uh, resistance is what keeps us uh, in the form that we're in. If, if we didn't have resistance, we would be molecules spread throughout the entire universe and there would be no you, there would be no me, there wow. would be no individuals. So resistance has its purpose. Wow. And, and the thing is, the, the thing is that it has, the resistance has a connection to the unhealed ego because the unhealed ego has a distorted view of what, change and growth looks like for for the unhealed ego it always wants to be safe and it wants to be happy so it's trying to keep things exactly the same so it doesn't like resistance it avoids resistance Mm -hmm. but the the healing ego understands that resistance shows up whenever we want to do something positive whenever we want to make a positive change in our life Uh, Mm -hmm. and so it goes up against our natural instinct which is to stay stay the same keep everything the same because anything that changes creates anxiety it's Mm -hmm. actually an existential anxiety that's built into life so whenever we're going to make a positive change you know the first thing that you're going to meet are what our teacher calls the angry gods or the angry earth plane vectors it's a mystical way of saying you're going to meet resistance Mm -hmm. something something is going to show up and start to push back and -hmm. that's the work so to answer your question if, if I find myself a little bit overwhelmed with my negativity and I think, oh, my God, how the hell am I going to get out of this? Or, you know what, I'm, I'm in a miserable mood and, I'm, and I kind of want to just stay here. And mm-hmm. if anybody comes into my circle, I'm probably going to make them miserable, too, because mm-hmm. that's just that's just the mood that I'm in.
1: Yeah. Right.
3: What you want to do is understand that that's a dark cloud and your consciousness is the sky. So some clouds can take uh-huh. up the whole sky. Right, But the sky is still there. Somehow the sky is still there. So you want to be the sky and just have enough of awareness to say, okay, (laughs) I may not be able to get rid of the whole cloud, but maybe I can just ride my edge here. Maybe I can just go up against how difficult this is and hang there for a little while. And what you start to do is you start to create a little bit more space where there wasn't space before, and then something new comes in, maybe a different thought, like "I don't know, all right, maybe maybe I don't want to spread my misery around, but I am miserable mm, you know and it's like, okay, let's ride that edge a little bit, and over time, uh you start to learn that that's just the way to do it. You just keep riding your edge, you keep nuzzling up against it, and that's the best you can do. And so sometimes you are going to have these low days, but you just, which going back to what Sadie said earlier about how we create our own suffering by thinking about things over and over and over again, You what you want to be aware of is there's primary suffering in the world. There's the stuff that we can't get away from. And then there's secondary suffering, which is all the suffering that we add to it because we don't know how to metabolize it and
0: we don't know oh, how to be with it yeah. in an enlightened way. That's crazy. When you put it in those words, like, Wow, there is the a kind bit. that you can't get away from, like the death of a loved one or things like that. But then, the, yeah, wow. Then that there's a whole extra layer
2: up for us to be with the suffering, to transform and grow in a new and different way, right? Right.
0: Wow. So it's
2: all kind of beautiful. Which that kind of leads up leads us into non-duality. Um, no, wait. He had a
0: second. Oh, you yeah, had it. you had a second for
2: your oh,
3: awareness. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Might as well say it
0: yeah even I though we it. are
3: you, you yeah, can feel so the bad. non-dual the non-dual wheels are in motion right it's already yeah. showed up it's it's the consciousness that we're working with it's awesome mm-hmm. this is already a joy to to be a part of um i know so the other thing i was the other thing i was thinking of so i got you know for i think some of your listeners would know i was i ended up getting really sick for like seven years and for like the first five years of that i was able to stay really strong to my spiritual practices and i was able to like not, not be looking at screens so much. Like I still had all of my good habits in place, even though I was miserable for a long time. But then the final two years of this illness, I don't know something happened and I just kind of gave up and I said, fuck it. I'm going to start watching TV and I'm going to start watching movies all the time. And I'm going to do whatever I can't do to just pass the time and wait to get better.
1: Right. So
3: this is, it became a really bad habit. So within the last year, I've started to get a lot better. But a lot of these bad habits are still with me. And so last night, my fiance and I, because we're preparing for uh, our baby, which is going to be here in, in any day now.
1: Mm-hmm. So
3: we're doing we're doing all the right things in terms of getting the oxytocin going, we're hugging. We're going to slow dance tonight. You know, oh, but basically, we, we did right. You we're doing, you know, we, we watch our YouTube videos. We talk to our doctors and they say, you know, to do these things so that the because the oxytocin has a lot of positive uh, effects in terms of getting the the birth going and we want to have a vaginal birth we don't want to do another c section so
1: yeah. that's what
3: that's what we're going for so all of that is to say at one point last night we 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 turned off all our screens and we filled the room with candles and we turned on uh, spiritual music. De- we love devotional music. So things like Krishna Das, if you're familiar with Krishna Das, or different kinds of kirtans, just basically different ways to sing about how much we love life and the different deities and things like that. So we, we threw that on. We had the candles, and we're just, you know, she's sort of just like laying in my lap. And I got my arms around her, hands on the belly. And it was just such a beautiful experience. The stillness, the flames. The darkness, you know, the flickering of the lights on the walls and then the devotion of music. And I was like, where the hell has this been in my life? Aww. I've been so I've been so disconnected. Uh, I've been so connected to TV screens and uh, just basically just other ways of uh, keeping myself distracted. It was just such a bad habit. So last night was very much for me a coming home. It was like realizing, oh my God, this is something that my soul has been missing. There was a wholeness present that I hadn't had so long. So for me, it was another, it was a revelation. And it was just like, if if it was up to me, to be honest, if if I wasn't living with other people in this house, I would have taken all of the TVs and thrown them off the back balcony. And I actually, I did do that, which is funny. I did that in my late twenties. I had, I was living my life in a way where I had, I would sit down in my living room. I had four flat screen, I'd, excuse me, I had four recliners in a row with like beer holders in between. And I had three flat screen TVs. One of them I was playing Call of Duty on. One of them had sports on. And, yeah. no, and two of them had different, one of them had like the Yankees on. The other one had like football on or sports center on. And I would just fucking sit there all day. See, I don't mean to. No, <laughs> I know you got no, a look. Okay. okay. No, you <laughs> <Okay. And laughs> just Okay. And I would just sit there and zone out and do that. So basically, and so at one point when I had my spiritual awakening in my late 20s, I just gave all my stuff away. I said, none of this has a place in my life. And I started doing I started living my life differently. And nighttime became a moment of quiet reflection. It became a moment of at times intense creativity, because I was creating the space for new things to come forward and also a time for for research and self exploration and connecting the dots between spiritual things with like cutting edge science, all the things that I love to do. And somehow I just I got away from it. So I'm I'm actively promoting now in the house. I really want to get rid of the screens. I want to get more candle. I just want to make it beautiful. And I wanna I wanna create a space for that kind of reverence for life again. Yeah. So that's um, that's wanted- my other check-in
2: too you know like all that beauty around you it makes you want to be more present because it's like yeah you have those things that like candles and you know all that stuff to like bring you back into the house and like be present like that's so beautiful and you
0: two sharing yeah. that present moment together like that is just that is freaking precious mm-hmm. and the fact that you guys are going to slow dance tonight like i feel a tickle in my nose i love that <laughs> that is so freaking that is just amazing yeah. like you
3: guys yeah, she's so proud she's got all the good these these ideas all come from my, from my fiance she's doing all the research i'm just saying you you lead the way i'll be the good good soldier
0: yeah but you know what you like me to do. you being so willing to want and wanting to do that kind of stuff like from a woman's perspective you know like especially a pregnant woman Mm -hmm. like that is just so that is so freaking special that is just so beautiful I'm so glad that you shared that
2: yeah that is beautiful I'm happy for you guys yeah something we want to get into later too is just you know this new
3: (laughs) yeah and look let let me let me add because I think people will hopefully resonate with this you know the reason why I, I kind of, I, I wouldn't be able to just sit in like a dimly lit room, you know, like, you know, to have the ambiance nice with just like dim lights. For me, I need the flame. I need the music. I need the physical contact. I need something, maybe a journal nearby, or, or, or a, a cool book that I'm just exploring just for the fun of it, right? Not work, right. but just for the fun of it. I right. need to have all these things to hold me. Because if not, I get a lot of uncomfortable sensations. I have a lot of uncomfortable emotions. I have a lot of weird thoughts that show up and I need a space that can hold all that in a way where I'm not gonna disconnect and run away from it. So uh, it's a very non-dual thing, what we're talking about here in terms of creating a space that can allow us to invite everything in, whatever's here to give it a place.
0: Right. So that's and all I have to say about Music that. is such an amazing tool for that. Like music. I was actually I downloaded this thing off Pinterest that said your daily dose and it has like the ways that you increase your dopamine, ways inc- that you increase your oxytocin and serotonin and endorphins. And it was just kind of crazy to read the differences. Like the oxytocin is the love hormone, so holding each other and listening to to touching music and that kind of thing you know candles like it's just a whole recipe for oxytocin right and you you're That's saying that for. your doctors are telling you that that is like going to increase like or help with her going into labor
3: yes yeah i think wow. part of i think part of what was going on is we want to soften the cervix right so that the baby cuz again we're going for a vaginal birth and right now the baby's head is down, so oh, she's ready to go, right? Just just la- just last week, she was breech or transverse, meaning her head was up or to the side. And if that's the case, we're going to have to schedule a C-section. But Gina really wants to make this uh, a vaginal birth. So yeah. now the baby's head is down, she's ready to rock. So now we're doing everything that we can to get the pregnancy going so that we can do it uh, the way that we want to do it.
2: Yeah. Absolutely amazing. I'm so excited. So for the listeners, when is her due date?
3: So her due date is November 15th.
2: Ooh. Okay, and today is November 6th. 9 so, days? Yeah.
3: yeah. But I mean it could happen any day is what they're yeah. saying, you know.
2: Right. Yep. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Like, so we're kind of already It was out
0: of this. So let's talk about it. Yeah, oh, okay, let's sure, talk about sure. this sure. first. I'm yeah, I'm intrigued. I are like how are you afraid? Are you stoked? Like what are you feeling right now? Are you just like chomping at the bit or what?
3: Yeah. You know, I definitely dissociate a lot. You know, I de- I definitely check out a lot, and I, you know, and I think that's a part of my defense mechanism to to being overwhelmed about this. Yeah. But when I really, when I let myself be with it, I have very warm feelings towards my future daughter. You know, and uh, the I I've I, I had the great benefit of growing up in a daycare center, so my parents were really young when they had me, and in order to be around for the kids my grandparents started a daycare center. And so, and I lived with my grandparents. So uh, I was always surrounded by children. And then as I grew up, I was the one who was helping out with the kids at the daycare center. So it was like, I've always been surrounded by kids, you know, uh, at very young age to, you know, whenever they go off on their own. So that part doesn't concern me so much. It's actually the giving birth part that mm-hmm. scares the shit out of me. Because <laughs> I don't, I don't know why, you know, I I always I make the joke. Have you you guys watched the latest series of Game of Thrones? The most recent one, by any chance? (laughs) But it's not it's not going to be a spoiler. But in the series, there's so much craziness surrounding giving birth for some reason. And it's just it was a perfect reflection of my inner state as to how I feel (laughs) about the giving because there's some part of me. That still feels like we're in medieval times and we're going to be giving birth in like the back of a barn there's going to be (laughs) blood and everywhere and like if one thing goes wrong the mother's going to die you know I'm, i'm so so i need to calm that part of me down and remember we've got good doctors i've met them we we love the place that we're going to be giving birth we have everything that we need we've got a doula that's going to be taking care of everything for us we're surrounded by loving parents who will be there to help us out so it's like I just need to keep reminding myself yeah. these things,
2: you know? But it's also normal <laughs> it that you're feeling that way because it's yeah. unknown for you. You've yeah. never experienced this. You've never yeah. been through it. It's like, wait, what the hell? Like, what's going to happen? But it is scary. Yeah.
0: It's, it is scary. I mean, you think that a, like a baby is coming out of your wife. Like that is, it's scary. Yeah. It's, it's, uh,
3: it's, it's so wild. It's the wildest miracle. Oh, it? It's like, I can't, I you. cannot believe.
2: <laughs> you're gonna have a whole yeah. awakening around so that weird. after it happens and then you're gonna love birth and you're gonna be like this is the most beautiful thing, oh because man it is, like, it is
0: like oh we only get yeah. to experience it a couple times in our lifetime and it is the most beautiful thing and to mm-hmm. think that you're about to go through it like yeah. please for yourself and I know you will but I just have to say it Freaking sulk in it, just be in it, Mm -hmm. enjoy every freaking second, every second, because it is over so fast. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, you're gonna be hearing your baby cry in the middle of the night, and you're gonna be in your living room like, What just happened? Holy (laughs) shit, I have a baby! Wait, what is that thing? Like, and it's it's just such a beautiful, beautiful experience. Like, oh, I'm so stoked for you. Yeah,
3: thank you.
2: Yes, it's exciting. And so. Then so
3: like, well, one more thing, just in terms of uh, in terms of raising the kid, yeah. I have I tend to I tend to err on the side of let me see if I can I have a ball. Oh, it's actually right here. I was just looking at it. So there's a book here called Winnicott mm. by a guy named Adam Phillips. Winnicott, uh, I think it's D.W. Winnicott. And I think his first name is Donald. I used to always say Daniel, but I think it's Donald. But this guy revolutionized. Um, therapy for babies actually and he focused he focused solely on the mother for some reason but when you read the book and you you go through it whatever you realize that the father plays just as much a role but in in short to summarize he's he's a guy who realized that when you're raising kids there is a natural life force that is coming through them there's a natural intelligence uh it's like they in a sense they know what they're doing they know how to grow they know how to think they know how to survive and at the mm-hmm. same time, they don't. Yeah. So it's sort of like there's this uh, nature versus nurture thing where mm-hmm. as parents, we need to be able to receive the child and reflect back to the child who the child is so that the child can see themselves and grow and develop a strong sense of self. So anyway, this this book to me has been sort of my coaching guide as to how I want to raise my kid. And anybody out there that's thinking about it, I would highly recommend uh, D.W. Winnicott as uh is a good, um and actually Sadie, it's on the reading list for the school.
1: Oh, so it's on
3: the recommended reading list. It's not, it's not the easiest book to read, but uh it's worth it.
0: Okay. So I just have a question. So when you say like reflecting back, and this is just for selfish reasons, but when you say reflecting back themselves, how, how do you do that? I want to make sure that I'm doing that for my kids. Is that just like encouraging them with their ideas and their thoughts and, and just always letting them be them, do you think?
3: Yeah, well, I think let's let's take it from a different angle because yes, I would agree with that. But it's also about the parent being awake to as much as they can about who they are and how they behave. Because a lot of the time what happens in early childhood is the unresolved aspects of the parent's consciousness demand the child to be a particular way. Wow. And, and the child, feels that demand and since the child has no other way to survive they're completely uh, at the mercy of the parents the child starts to sacrifice their sense of self in order to be whatever self they need to be to be fed to be loved to be nurtured
0: yeah no that really does and so much of it is so it's unconscious yeah
3: it's it it happened to you i'm gonna do it to my child yeah, uh, and my child is going to do it to do their children
2: as you're talking about it I'm like yeah I think I do that in some ways but there's certain there's certain aspects of it where I'm like I don't even know where to start or like how to get out of that pattern you know what I mean it's hard but
0: I guess yeah. it is all just healing yourself and yeah. trying to show up as the best most authentic version of your own self and owning your own shit in front of your child and to your child like if you have a shitty day with your kid mm-hmm. or not even just with your kid but just in general and, you know, you've been short with your kid and they're failing it or whatever, just sitting down and talking with them, looking them in the eyes and telling them, like, look, I'm doing my best. I had a rough day, but I'm sorry that I snapped at you. Or, yeah. I mean, maybe that's a lot of it. Mm-hmm.
3: No, it is. There's so much room for repair, right? If the child is old enough where you can have those kinds of conversations right. with them, being able to admit failures, yeah. and uh, it teaches the child that they, too, can fail and they can survive it. Right. And it also teaches them how to repair because reparations, it's its built into life. This is an imperfect life. We're never going to be perfect parents in any way. Yeah. But the way that we heal those imperfections is by forgiveness, uh, humble, being, being, being humble enough to admit when you're wrong and you've done something wrong. And then it becomes more like um, there's an Asian uh, form of pottery. I can't remember what it's called. But what they do is when a when a when something is broken, when uh, even an expensive vase or a pot or something is broken, they put it back together with liquid gold, and uh, they to them it now it's now it's even more valuable than it was before it broke.
0: Wow, so, I love that. Yeah, that is a perfect analogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think
2: it gets hard too when they start getting to the age of discipline because that's where I am. I'm at the age with Odin, where everything I say that he needs to do, he fights back with every single little thing. <laughs> and it's like,
0: you're like, can trying you trying to be?
2: Yeah, and trying to like nurture while also doing proper forms of discipline, but not going too hard, you know, like yeah. all of that balancing act is so freaking hard for mm-hmm. me. Like, I'm trying to figure out the best way to go about it. And it's even harder when you're a single parent, because mm-hmm. then they go to the other mm-hmm. home, and they're getting completely different forms of discipline. So it's like, I don't know that's just where I am like I'm having such a hard time with disciplining him lately and like the right ways to do it and there's certain times where you know he does something and I make him go sit in time out in his room and every single time he does that um I started doing this thing where you know I put him in time out because he did something wrong and I tell him what he did was wrong and then he sits in time out and then when I go back in I sit down with him and I say okay Odin and this is something I've just started doing because I actually heard it from a funeral that I've been to recently, but I sat down with him and I just say, okay, Odin, it's time for us to have a heart to heart. And I say, a heart to heart is where my heart can talk to your heart about serious things. Mm -hmm. And literally, I've been doing that over the last couple weeks. And each time I do that, he, his presence just like taps right in just explaining it that way and wow. he that's like, so
3: smart that's genius yes, Sadie.
2: and he does he completely like he changed it changes everything because then he understands that okay we're talking from our heart and he sits there and I make him look at me in the eyes and then I say okay Odin do you know why you're in timeout and he says because I was being mean or whatever the thing was and then we talk about <laughs> okay what can we do better next time right and he tells me what he can do better and then we move on and so, things are a little bit easier, but so it's still is hard because it's like, you know, he does that 10 times throughout the day. And then I'm like, I'm literally going to shake my kid. But like, then I start getting frustrated. So trying to keep like all that balancing while, you know, still disciplining, like all of that is just,
0: it's parenthood. It's a
2: freaking journey. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. No doubt. You yeah. know, there's a, there's a book that I'm going to reread. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's on audiobook as well called gentle discipline Mm. and so there's a whole school of thought about how to gentle discipline your kids and and it it might give you some good ideas you know because i I think i'm not sure if it's in the book but but i do know that you know when a child is saying no at the age odin is you know that's also them saying i exist i am a person you know so in, in a lot of ways it's a it's a really healthy thing for them
2: yeah right yeah. See, I think that would be good for me to read because I, yeah, it's just started recently where he's just being so defiant about everything. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> okay. How do I like combat yeah. this while also allowing him to be who he is? Like all of that is just like, yeah, so yeah. overwhelming. So I'm going to read that book. That will probably help me for sure.
3: And Sadie, just not that you're feeling bad about it, but to make you feel better, the fact that you're thinking that way, yeah. you're wrestling with it in your head like that, that already changes your relationship oh. with him and makes it safer.
2: Yep. Thanks. Because I was just complaining to Elena before we started about all the mom guilt. So <laughs> thanks for saying that because yeah. I no, sometimes. No.
3: you've got the right, in my opinion, you've got the right thinking. Yeah. I've still got a lot to learn, right? I only read a couple books and, you know, I haven't had the kid yet, so.
2: Yeah, oh <laughs> yeah, great. it all begins. <laughs> That's beautiful. Okay, so our topic today was non-duality and we can go into it a little bit now because we already have talked about it a little bit, wow. but, oh, yeah. speak of the devil, here's Odin. One second, everyone. Yes, Odin. Where's my cookie? I don't know where your cookie is, but there's snacks in the cupboard. You could go grab one real quick. Go grab a fruit bar or a banana. Okay, can you close the door? Thank you.
1: Uh
2: -uh. We're almost done, okay? Okay, sorry guys. I have Odin today. (laughs) But okay, so there was something that I wrote down the other day when I was thinking about this non-duality topic and I just wanted, it's really simple and short, but I just wanted to say it and then let's get into the conversation of non-duality and what it is. So Mm -hmm. I just wrote down... Our human experience is supposed to be in a way where we are constantly including it all, including all of the pieces of life to their fullest extent, the good and the bad, and being present with each moment as it arises. That's true non-duality. And that Mm kind of opens the conversation of non-duality. And from your perspective, Tim, for someone who has no idea what the fuck non-duality is, what would Mm -hmm. you say? How would you explain that?
3: Yeah. You know, I take comfort in the fact that Jason Shulman, who, who is the one who had the non-dual revelation mm-hmm. and the Kabbalah and who's taught me all about non-duality has written tons of books and created a school. You know, he tells a story sometimes of, uh, a very famous person, uh, like really well-known spiritual leader, uh, had a conversation with him once and asked him what non-duality was. And Jason was just kind of like, uh, blah, 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 blah. And he, he didn't know how to say it. You didn't know how to teach non-duality at that moment. And it's, it's, not because, uh, it's not because he doesn't know what the heck he's talking about. It's because it's not such an easy thing to talk mm-hmm. about, right? So now I've, I've made it a little bit more safe for me to talk about it. So non-duality for me, non-duality is the nature of reality, right? Mm-hmm. So nature reality, just like you said, Sadie, it includes everything. Right. Life has room for everything good, bad, the ugly, our joys, our sorrows, the weirdness, the strangeness and the great mystery that has all of it. And so it also has our personal lives, right? Everything that has to do with our personal lives, but it also includes a impersonal realm and many different religions and mystical, uh, mystical ways of thinking, you know, talk about the impersonal. But you could think of it as a source or the place where we all come from or the place that we return to when we drop our bodies, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think it has a connection to the Akashic records, these sorts of things. But non-duality, in short, depending on what you subscribe to about what reality is, it includes everything, right? Mm -hmm. So then it's like, okay, well, how can that help me? What is living a non-dual life actually look like? Yeah. Well, for me, it's connected to usually a definition that I give for spirituality, which is recognizing the fact that everything is connected. Excuse me, are, are you getting background noise? Because there's a guy that's blowing no. leaves like right out my window. Okay, no. good timing, huh?
1: Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and so <included> living,
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I am, I am. <laughs> the, uh, so living an undo life has to do with recognizing that we are connected to a larger whole mm-hmm. and that we do make a difference, right? Each and every one of us is connected to a larger whole. So it is a way of thinking about life And it's a way of moving through the world. So the best way I can start to talk about it is to talk about maybe some of the ways, uh, not numerology, the way what non-duality isn't. Non-duality isn't a state of consciousness where everything is peaceful. Uh, It isn't a state of consciousness where there is no suffering. Because, again, non-duality includes everything. So it gets closer to what we were talking about earlier when we start to have to ask the question, What does happiness look like that includes sorrow or pain or all the different kinds of suffering, right? What does that actually look like? Can we start to live into that and start to have the bandwidth to be able to live a life like that? And then we could also talk about some of the common things that we do as human beings as to how we split the world into pieces and parts. Now, the world is whole. Although you and I might appear to be separate beings, we are deeply and intimately connected. And we are not separated from one another at all. But there are times when, you know, in order to move through this dualistic world, when we're going to create splits, we're going to dissociate, we're going to cut things off, we're going to cut ourselves off, we're going to do all these kinds of things. So one of the ways that we do that is by imagining that there is some kind of other life that we could be living some kind of fantasy life or some kind of, uh, yeah, it's usually a fantasy life that we imagine. Where the, you know, the grass is greener, or there is no suffering, or there is no pain. And all I have to do is accomplish x, y, z, make a lot of money, do this, do that, and then I can get there. And then I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, this is a really common thing people do.
2: So that, that just brings up in my mind, like, religion, right? That's Uh kind of what religion is for me growing up in religion like it made me separate in a lot of ways from myself because there was xyz to get to this place you know this is what you have to do these are the rules you have to follow if you don't follow these rules you're you're a bad person you're sinning you know guilt shame all that stuff gets thrown in and I recognized at a certain point in my life that oh my gosh like this isn't all of it like there's more to life than this and that's kind of when I started to explore my own spirituality but as you're talking about that mm-hmm. in religion a lot of religions don't practice non-duality you know like no it is do all these things to yes get it's to very dualistic place. like you have to do these things to get here you Holy know and it's you like a, yeah
3: it's like a there's like a linear evolution that's built into it where they're yes. like trying to purify you yes purify you to get to a particular place and then you're holy and then and only then you're holy right well it's for all for the
0: afterlife yeah do it all right here so that when you die then you're good it's like what wait isn't
2: this human experience supposed to be all of it (laughs) like that's why we're in a body to experience like the spectrum of emotions and feelings and experiences like you know try things you know, yes. explore, like that's what human experience is. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in religion, it just really does like, I don't know, it's very dualistic, you're only supposed to do these certain things. And it leaves out a huge part of like, who we actually are, you know?
3: Yeah, I it, it, recognize
2: it, that.
3: Yeah, it does <laughs> tremendous damage and creates a lot of suffering to the yeah. personal being that isn't good enough anymore, you know, and it creates yeah. massive shame.
1: Right. And
3: uh, we don't want that what we want to understand that You know the the end result of all these religions is supposed to be tenderheartedness
1: yeah it's
3: supposed to be kindness and we want to be kind to all the parts of ourselves and Mm. because we're human beings we're we're going to deny that we don't have a higher self and a lower self and a mask self we're i I, am i gonna am i gonna say that uh i don't have a murderer in me that doesn't mean that i may not actually murder somebody But I don't know, if somebody gets elected to president that I really don't want them there, I might want to kill them and get them out of here in a certain way. You know, so what non-duality does is it doesn't negate our personal feelings, but it it includes everything in a way that starts to change your relationship to what's here. Mm. So you can't change the conditions of life because life is set up the way it is, but you can change your relationship to these conditions. Mm. And when you change your relationship to the conditions, the conditions change. Mm-hmm. and it's one of those magical funky things that non-duality does yeah that's
2: so beautiful so,
3: yeah it's all about wholeness it's it's about being awake to the ways that we split ourselves and then we returning to that wholeness again
2: see and um, when I found you Tim so I've talked about before like where I met you and how I found you and whatever and I found you on a podcast and when I heard you talking about these things and just the way of life that you know you were being taught like all of these teachings of just including it all and like when I heard you talk about it, something shifted in my body and I felt free just hearing you speak about just including it all and being with whatever it is. And even though it still seemed hard, like something in my body was like, Oh, like I felt a little bit lighter. Like, Oh, I can just be like, I don't have to feel shame and guilt and all these things. And like, since I've been on my own journey of non-duality and going to school and working with you and all these things for people that don't know Tim is my healer (laughs) has (laughs) been for what four or five years now it's been a while (laughs) yeah but since I started on my own journey like I have felt a huge shift like in my own being of just feeling more free to just be experiencing what I'm experiencing without the shame and like Just talking about it like my heart is like oh you know like you can feel it in your body that is what our human experience is supposed to be you know and i think it's so beautiful it is so do you want to share that yes
0: so i have this book called the instruction manual for receiving god that was actually written by the founder of the school that you both you are do you still go there tim
3: Yeah, I'm in my, I think, ninth or 10th year of training now, and I'm training to be a teacher.
0: Oh, wow. So how many years to be a teacher?
3: So basically, I just need to get the green light from Jason, you know, in order to be a teacher, I need to be living the non dual life, you know, it needs to be in me, because I need to be able to transmit that uh, pretty much with everything that I do to the students, because that's in, in the school we have a we have an, our unofficial motto is not by way of knowledge, but by nourishment.
0: Mm, that is okay. That is that right. There is how, you know, that it is pure. Mm-hmm. It is so pure it, you know, it's a diamond mm. like, wow. So anyways, this morning I was going through this and, and looking for, I was honestly looking for the words non-duality, but then I just came to this page and it, it was just perfect. So I'm going to read it. It's Page number 106. And it says, This life may be a mystery, but it is a mystery of love. We simply need to know how to surrender to whatever God gives us, like mana, each day. One day I realized that something that had always plagued me in meditation was my own voice speaking to me from the far reaches of my childhood, sending me a message from past times in the only way it knew how. Even though I had thought it was a negative voice, I realized. It was not speaking doom or sending out a challenge. It was offering an opportunity to heal a split that kept me from some of the most precious aspects of life. On that day, I discovered that this voice that afflicted me was actually my greatest friend. We may never completely understand the fullest extent of God's love and how it manifests in unexpected ways, sometimes within difficult circumstances or impossible situations. But we can make a start by acting as if we understand, by changing our behavior. Do this each day, pick one small difficulty and hold it gently with this understanding that something inside this difficulty is precious. Don't demand that God show you the ultimate meaning of this difficulty, but take it on faith. There's honey on the rock. So, the way that I take that in is just uncomfortable, crappy things that happen to us, if we can just hold on to them. And just, like, shower them with love or shower ourselves with love through it. Like, Mm -hmm. holding space for your difficult emotions. Things happen. Yeah. You know? Right.
2: And just knowing that this
0: difficulty is precious. Because, like, we're talking about
2: living a non-dual lifestyle. All the difficulty that comes up is precious. It's a part of why we're here, you know? It helps us evolve. Like, it's all divine. And there's actually meditation in the Receiving God course that you teach. Yeah. Well, it.
3: the thing is, yeah, absolutely. You know what we're talking about here? It just, just what we said at the beginning of the podcast: returning the clipo, mm-hmm. You know, life is going great, and then all of a sudden, here comes this difficulty. Yeah. And this difficulty is precious because it's our unique, precious difficulty. It's my difficulty, and based on how I'm born and my history and everything that has to do with me, this is my problem. Mm-hmm. So it is precious. Yeah. And usually, what we do uh a, there, we 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 treat problems in a dualistic way meaning a problem shows up in our life and then we very quickly judge it as a problem right how do we know something's even a problem because yeah. we've judged it as a problem right uh actually that reminds me there's a there's a story i want to tell that has to do with this but so so a problem shows up we judge it as a problem and then as human beings what we end up doing is we say we make a list of like 5 to 10 things that we need to do and if we do that, then we solve the problem and then our life is okay again.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And what we're saying is, okay, the non-dual way says it includes that. It includes the fact that you can judge something as a problem. It includes the fact that you can do a strategy to get rid of it. All we're saying is give this a place in your life first. Mm-hmm. Don't rush to a cure before you have a relationship to the disease,
1: mm-hmm. right? Right. So oh, wow. take
3: your time, be with it, because so often we're running around like a hammer hitting in nails mm-hmm. and it's a certain thing. And we're missing the nourishment. We're missing the honey in that rock, the mana. And so when people do the meditation, which is very much what Jason said in that book right there. So there's no like secret thing here. The meditation is think of something difficult in your life. Now give it its place with the understanding that there's something precious inside this. And we don't know exactly what that did, what, what it is yet. But trust that it's a mystery of love. Trust that there's actually something in this for you, because, again, it's your unique, precious difficulty. Mm-hmm. And usually, and, oh, and that, that, by doing that, by giving it a place in that way, it's, it's just what we were talking about in the beginning of the podcast uh, in terms of riding the edge. Mm-hmm. So now you're riding the edge of the problem, and you're hanging out there at the interface between the known and everything that you don't know, so the mystery, and when you hang out of that interface, that's where reality and life can rest on you and can start to inform you in a new way. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you, this. Then this is the mystical stuff. You're yeah. putting yourself into a particular position of how reality unfolds. And you're hanging out there long enough for revelation or information to come forward. Wow. And that's it.
2: So can we talk about... Um... So I'm just thinking for people who are hearing us talk about this and they're like holding a difficulty, especially if it's something that feels super overwhelming, probably brings them a lot of anxiety to where it's like, I don't even want to do this because that's a difficulty and that stresses Mm -hmm. me out. So can we talk a little bit more about riding the edge? Because I think we know what that means and I've definitely Mm -hmm. experienced it in my own life. But if you have a difficulty that's like super intense and overwhelming, you don't have to fully like be in that for a long period of time it's literally just like tapping into the difficulty and allowing yourself to be with it for like a split second or a couple minutes and then you're okay Release for a second like yeah remember this
3: yeah the the, the gentleness is key the gentleness i was going to say the kind-heartedness the tenderness we want to be tender with ourselves yes <clears throat> so you know usually when somebody first does this meditation or plays around with it we ask them to use a small difficulty mm-hmm. you know don't take anything on too big because this is a new skill set yeah. and for many people non-duality is really radical it's a radical way of looking at the world because it kind of goes against everything that we're built to survive with but
1: we've been taught you know? so, too. yeah, yeah. We go. Just,
3: we're, we're we're designed to operate within duality Yes. So we're asking, we're asking ourselves to do something that's counterintuitive here, right. to include more. Because usually if we have problems, we usually we break it down into pieces and parts and figure out how to solve it. Yeah, right? it's like a machine. Let me take it apart. Let me figure this out. What we're saying is include more. And actually, as you include more, a new, new picture starts to emerge that couldn't emerge before. So bring me back. What well, the, the question was about uh, including yeah. it with kindness and riding the edge, yeah. right? So the process, the kind way and the gentle way of riding the edge means you go right up against it and you let it inform you. So one of the things that you may be informed by is, oh man, this is too big, I need help. I can't do it all on my own, Mm -hmm. right? That could be what what informs you. And then suddenly you're not overwhelmed anymore because you can call a friend, you can call a therapist, you can call a healer, whatever, you know? So it's about being awake to what's here by allowing yourself to ride the edge. And then when you do that, you get informed in a new way. And oftentimes, um it, it'll give you direction as to what the next move is okay. or it'll change your consciousness around the difficulty entirely which i've seen happen
2: yeah so is well, is non-duality so there's a course that you do um called receiving god the receiving god course right you've done it a few yeah. times is yeah is this material like really hard for you to teach people is this is there a certain type of people that you like take into your course or is this something that literally everyone can learn to do?
3: Um, anybody that has the ability to fall down and get back up. Those are the people I want to teach.
2: Mm. Okay. I love that.
3: And so, and so anybody can do it. If you have a desire to reduce your suffering, if you have a desire to become more kind if you have things that you're reconciling just from being a human being, you know, the course can help you in that way.
0: Okay. Wow. So where did your journey start with it? How did you even, how did you even come to know Jason Shulman, get involved with the school, learn about non-duality at first? How did that even start for you?
3: Yeah. Um, Sadie, I think you know the story a little bit. Um, So I guess, do you have a few minutes? It, It can be, not yeah. such a short story. No,
1: you're good.
3: <laughs> uh, but, okay.
1: Let's go
3: into so, it. In. So I'm 37 now. When I was about 25 years old, I was working for a solar company. And it was at the time and I was, in, I was living in New York, just outside New York City. And it was at the time when solar was really popular and we were, you know, making a lot of money and all of it was dependent upon govern, government incentives, actually. And so uh, at one point, after I made a name for myself, the government incentives went away. And they said, all right, Tim, don't get another job. Don't go anywhere else. Just kind of hang out. I was a sales rep for them. Just hang out and we'll pay you and whatever. And when the government incentives come back, you know, you'll start working again. So just before that happened, I had met a guy named David Weiss. And David Weiss was really into conspiracy theory. And he started sharing with me ideas and other things about reality that I'd never been exposed to before. So I started exploring them. Then... This thing happened with solar where all the incentives went away, and I suddenly had all this extra time on my hands. And so I very quickly, as as I was exploring conspiracy theory, I very, very much realized that there was something going on that had to do with consciousness. Consciousness was an issue. It seemed that people were awake to certain things, and some people were asleep to certain things. So I started following the consciousness thread. As I started following the consciousness thread, I became more interested in dreams, in other alternate realities, multi dimensions, just all kinds of funky, cool stuff, you know, so I ended up calling that my, my, uh, my scholarship for spirituality, Uh. when they were just paying me so. So what I ended up doing was oh, yeah. I ended up visiting all different kinds of healers. I became an investigative reporter. That's what I was just calling myself or a detective. And I started checking things off the list. Like I would get Reiki certified and I would practice Reiki with a lot of people. And then I'd say, okay, Reiki is real. This is, this is a real thing. Then I'd go visit psychics and I'd have experiences with them. And I would go, okay, so psychic stuff is real. And then I'd go find healers and they'd I'd have profound experiences with them. And I'd be like, okay, so spiritual healing is real. So there's all of these. So I was basically just checking off all these boxes, explaining exploring. And one of the, um, uh, I guess, at at one point, during during this process, I started to have these dreams where my brother who had died in a car accident a few years earlier, started coming back to me. And in the dream, I would become lucid. And I'd say, hey, you're dead. You're like, what are you doing here? And he would he would smile. And then I would float out of the room and back into my body and I would wake up. And this kept happening. And after maybe the fourth time of it happening, when I floated away from him, after saying, hey, you're dead, you're not supposed to be here. When I floated away from him, he locked the eyes with me and he sort of brought me back in like a tractor beam. So cool. then I, I became completely lucid and awake. And so this, the, the wild thing about this was I was awake in my bed at the time and I was able to and I remember grabbing my pillow and squeezing it a couple of times going, nope, I'm definitely awake, and, you know, in my bed but somehow I was also in this other reality that was even more realistic. I called it hyper real. The colors were more vivid. It was just, I was just so embodied. It was just, I was just so present. It was insane. And my brother starts talking to me no longer out of his mouth. It starts to become psychic communication. And he says to me, you can do this anytime that you want and I'll teach you how to do it. I was so elated by him saying that, that I jumped, I jumped, and I hugged him. When I hugged him, I felt a love like I've never experienced and haven't experienced since. It was was the love of the universe. It was so powerful. It rocked me out of that scene back into my body. I got up, it was like five in the morning. I got up and I went for a run because I didn't know what else to do. I just had to process what the hell was just happening. I didn't know what was going on. I definitely wasn't going crazy. There was something very special happening. And it was I like, 11, wow, 11, one <laughs> 11, yeah, eleven on my side. Boom. There wow. Look
1: at this. Yes.
3: So just like that. Just like that. Right. Synchronicity is how reality reveals itself. It's how we get supported. So I go for a run in a town that I'm not from. I was sleeping at my girlfriend's place and a guy pulls up to me in his car and he goes, Hey, are you a Rothschild? And I turned, I'm like, yeah, like, who are, who are you? And he goes, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm running into you. I've been trying to get in touch with your parents. We want to do a memorial for your brother.
1: <laughs>
3: and I was like, yeah. get <laughs> out of here, you know? And too. by the way, there are things, there. I haven't told this story in a while. So there are pieces that I, that I forgot. There was a prayer that I said. There was a all these kinds of things. You know, before this happened, but, but in short, all of these synchronicities and all these things showed up around this dream where basically at that point I said, okay, now nobody can tell me what reality is anymore. I am free to explore this on my own. I was completely empowered Mm -hmm. and at the same time, really confused and lost because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to go back to my old life anymore. Nothing was the same. I had Mm -hmm. to understand what life was about and I had to get, I just, I just had to. So
1: yeah.
3: as a, so now I really became like the detective. I think I called myself the psychedelic detective at the time. I was having fun. <laughs> it, you know?
0: The psychedelic <laughs> you know, people, detective.
3: Everybody, everybody made fun of me and shit, but I was having a great time. Hell I yeah. Was, I, I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe that life was like this. I couldn't yeah. believe it. And so I was a madman exploring everything, still getting paid. I had my car paid for. I had a credit card. I had a gas card. What? I had health insurance. Just so that. It went on for years. It went on for years. So I was able to explore all these different healers, because at this point I was away from conspiracy theory and I realized, oh, this is about consciousness. Mm. So I started to get really into healing because I realized I needed to cleanse my doors of perception. Mm. You know, I needed to if I was going to actually be a detective, if I was going to actually report back to people what life is all about, I needed to heal. So I, I the the healers that I was most attracted to were the healers that actually confused me in a good way, where like they would be really rich and have like beautiful cars and have a crystal bed and all of these things. But then they'd also have this intimate connection to spirits. And they'd say, you know, like one of your loved ones is in the room now, or they'd see a spirit animal, and they'd say these things that really helped me and they'd know things that they couldn't have known. Because I would never told them anything, you know, it was my first time meeting them. So I asked these people, well, how did you become the way you became? How did you get these abilities? How, you know? And they'd say, it's, they'd say, you know, everybody is built differently. But I went through these schools of healing and awakening so that I could be the best version of myself. I could live up to my potential. So I said, okay, well, what schools did you go to? And they listed all the major schools like Barbara Brennan School, Healing of Light, and there were, there were other schools. And then they said this one school that was about non-duality, Kabbalah, and the Tree of Life. And I said, oh, the Tree of Life. I've seen, I know a lot about that because of conspiracy theory. And non-duality sounds cool, and Kabbalah sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. So tell me more about that. And so I explored the school, and it turned out, that they were having a school 40 minute, a 40 minute drive from my house. And it was starting in like six weeks. Mm -hmm. And uh, not only was it starting in six weeks, it had been postponed twice. So the school, it should have already started and I wouldn't have been able to get in, but it had been postponed twice. So I reached out and so basically I decided, I said, okay, look, I don't have the money for this right now. But uh, I'm going to do it anyway, I'm going to find a way to do it. Mm -hmm. And I'll always be on the outside looking in. If I don't take one of these schools, Mm -hmm. I have to be the real deal. So Mm -hmm. I so I joined the school. And one of the first things that just was 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 just shattered my reality was the love was the compassion, the -hmm. integrity, I couldn't believe the the sort of the character of the people that were in front of me they're just the way they were able to be with each thing with such compassion I'd never experienced that before yeah so I was hooked and I asked my teacher at the time I said how did you it was like how did you become the way you became how did you do this and then she said doing these healings for the last 20, 20, 22 years, something like that. Um, so I said, okay, okay, that's it. I'm done. I'm going to do that. I, and I, at, at that moment I dedicated my life to it. And wow. so it's been, uh, it's been about 10 years since.
2: And we're here because of you. <laughs> so, yeah. well, you, was it, you know, dedicating your life because I wouldn't have found this path if it wasn't for you. And like, I have that exact same feeling when I found this, you know, Listening yeah. to you talk about the excitement in your voice. Even when you just told that story, like I feel it again, like that excitement. It's like, oh my God, life can be that way. Like I want a piece of that. And there was just yes. something there in me that was just like, there's something I need, else. I need this. Like I mm-hmm. there's something about this that I just feel called to. And I don't know how I'm gonna do it. And I felt the same way financially. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I have to step in because mm-hmm. it just feels right, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: And I'm so glad that we're having this conversation about non-duality too, because here we are maybe 40 something episodes into our podcast. And this is what we have been talking about through almost every single episode is little pieces of living a non-dual lifestyle and what it's like day to day to live that way. And all the stuff that comes up and including it all and self-compassion, like it's all of it. When you can hold it all in that way, it's something else happens, you know? Yeah. It's like a door is opened and it's so beautiful.
3: Well, what it You know, we talk about my website, the third thing shameless plug, but yeah. I, I created the third thing network because we're talking about the third thing. The right. third thing is the mystical thing that happens when you're able to be with all that life is, mm-hmm. when you're able to be with the opposites of life, when you're able to hold them in a particular way, something opens in our consciousness and it's the awakening state. So in, the, in that moment, that's when we're in the non-dual state. So the third thing is the non-dual state of consciousness, and that can only be held in the heart. So mm-hmm. it's a heart-based consciousness, because the brain splits the world into duality, and we need that. We need that. But to live a non-dual life, we have to live through the heart. Right. And in order to live through the heart, we have to heal enough so that we can feel safe enough to, to be in the heart. Wow. You know, We need to live an undefended self you know, and there's so much more we could talk about. We, you know, we were just scratching the surface, but um, what a beautiful conversation. Thank you exactly. for bringing this out. Yeah. You know?
2: I, I we love just this. wrapped it up in such a beautiful way too. So there's something that we've been doing on our episode that's a little bit more new, but like giving our listeners like a challenge or something at the end of the episode to work on through the next couple of weeks until our next one. So let's come up with something that for everyone who's listening and they're like, all oh, this sounds so beautiful and it's resonating with me. What is like one practice that they can do, you know, to start to integrate this non-duality into their life? And maybe it is exactly the meditation that we just talked about. I
0: think that this that difficulty is exactly is what it is. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You, know? you could try, you could try that, you know? Um, I wonder how we could get that out to people. You know, one of the things you can do, go to my website, the and sign up for my mailing list. Mm-hmm. If you do that, um, or, or send me an email, I'm trying to think, you know, think it on the fly here, get in mm-hmm. touch with me and I can send you a copy of inviting everything in, mm-hmm.
1: Ooh, I love that. Okay, which so is, uh, you- we, oh, okay. we
3: just updated, we just updated the meditation as well. So I've got a copy of it right on my wall here.
1: Mm-hmm. And
3: what inviting everything in does is it starts to give you an understanding or it gives you a lived experience of what it's like to include everything. Mm. and uh you include all the parts of yourself and and, uh spoiler part of what happens when you do that is you have an experience of increased spaciousness tenderheartedness kindness and love and uh, because you can only include the only the only way you can include everything is with compassion so uh how do you become a compassionate person you practice so practice inviting everything in and uh there you go
2: okay so for people who wanna reach out to you for that meditation, can you give us your plugs? You did
3: the third thing.net, is that your? The third thing.net is my website or the third Both of them will get you there. Um, Let's see, I I have a podcast called The Divine Movement Podcast. I do that with my fiance. Um, And go, go to my website and check out upcoming courses. You know, now that I'm not sick, it's been such a great joy of mine and it's just so much fun to be able to put together all of the courses that I've been chomping at the bit to do. So I teach uh, a receiving God course, which is a six week class, which can also be seen as an introduction to non-duality. I'm gonna be rolling out an introduction to non-dual Kabbalistic healing, which is what uh, Sadie is training to do in the four year program. I'm, I, I just, I'm in the middle of giving a, a numerology series, a non-dual approach to numerology series, which is super fun. I'm going to be coming up for more, you know, with, with more things. So stay yeah. tuned, check it out, you know, stay in touch. I love making contact with everybody. So if you have questions, reach out, you know, I just want to be helpful. That makes me feel
0: I do less, the receiving less God, shame. God
2: course. <laughs>
0: yeah. I want to do the receiving God course. Is it, is it, um, live or is it pre-recorded sessions that you have? It's, it's live.
3: It's it's live. We do it on Zoom. Uh, the way it's set up is it's about 90 minutes per class. So we meet once a week for 90 minutes. And uh, basically, there's an introduction, there's a teaching. And then there is a practical exercise or meditation that gets the teaching in your body. Ooh,
1: I want and, to then,
3: get- and then I got- basically, the reason behind that is once it gets in your body, then all your shit comes out. And you have a lived experience of the teaching, so you get it intellectually. But we want it in the body, because in the body is a Buddha body. We want to wake up the body. Right. So, and then, then we have discussions about it, and then you, you know, go, you do the meditation throughout the week. We come together the next class, introduce the next teaching, and so each class you go deeper and deeper into the nature of reality. And it's very, it's a very kind course in terms of how you uh, get to learn about non-duality and that kind of stuff.
2: I I did the course too when I was like not. I wasn't in school. I wasn't, you know, really in this world. Yeah, I was doing healings with him, but I did the course with him, and it really did like bring it into my body in a whole different way and it was so understandable for me not really knowing much about any of it you know it was like easy for me to understand right so
0: i'm gonna have to go beautiful. i'm gonna go to your website the look at upcoming courses and sign up for that one and then i have another handful of people that i'm gonna tell that they need to sign up for it <laughs> yeah, all of you, you guys listen, need to sign up for it
3: <laughs> if we have if so you know i haven't i just finished a class a receiving guide class and uh more than half the class liked it so much. We're just keeping it going. So we're oh, going to wow. have a seventh week. And I just I just ended one class. I think we ended up going like 26 extra weeks, something like that. You know, So it becomes, it usually becomes a really cool little spiritual satsang, a little community oh, where we can support wow. each other and that kind of stuff. So all that is to say, I don't have a new course uh, set, a date for the course uh, yet. Okay. But if you can get, I, I would be willing to do the course with three or more people. Okay. If we have three people that are committed, that's enough. It's a nice intimate group. That's enough to do it. More is even better. But you know, if you can get three people that are that are on board, but I'll just I'll throw it on the website. We'll set a date. We'll, we'll get it going. Okay,
0: Let's
2: do it. Yeah, we need to do it. Tim, we love you so much. Yeah, you're you so oh, I love you both. <laughs> Always Thank amazing. You. This isn't gonna be the last time we no, it's have not. conversations like this. No,
3: you listen, you guys are so easy yeah. to talk to. I, I love coming on. So have me anytime. I'm here.
2: Thanks, Thanks Tim. Love it. Thank you. And yes, this week, you guys go to Tim's website, look up some things, and just practice including it all and have self compassion for yourself. Mm. And Love it. we will talk to you next week. See ya. See you later. Bye.
3: See ya. Bye bye.